it's great to get that win, but by no means should this team believe that they are a finished product overall and that they have arrived in any way, shape, or form. There's plenty of work to do here. There's plenty of work to do. And this win puts them in a situation of, I think, being ahead of the eight ball a, a little bit, being ahead of the curve, I should say, um, and and being in a situation where, look, you go on the road next week and take care of business, it's not going to be easy. You're 3-0 and with two home games coming up, and people around Tallahassee and the Seminole family are juiced for those next two games at Doe Campbell. Hey guys, it's Terrence Nan. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go Dose. Hey, what's up? This is Peter Ward, aka E Dub in the house. So we're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. Go live, go nose. Hi, this is Charlie Ward, and you're listening to Hear the Spear. Go nose. This is Terrell Buckley. You're listening to Hear the Spear presented by No Game Day. No bloody. But perhaps better known as the greatest corner to ever step on a football field, Deion Primetime Sanders. Great Deion Sanders, my brother. What's going on, man? I, I could wake up to that greedy every day, man. That was awesome. Hello, those fans. This is former Seminole Derek Brooks, and you're listening to Here's the Spear, presented to you by No Game Day. James Wilder Jr. What's going on, James? Thanks for having me on SSOD, Florida State or Die, and go no. William Barnon Floyd. Gentlemen, what's up? What is happening, guys? This is Logan Robinson. I'm here the Spirit put into you by NoGameDay.com. We are live on a beautiful Wednesday morning here in Tallahassee after Florida State took down the LSU Tigers and Brian Kelly in New Orleans. All of us on the show here tonight were in attendance for what a wild weekend it was for Florida State to be in primetime, only game on to go national and viral. And someone that went viral is with us this evening, Jeff Kalame, Florida State's head of radio announcing. Jeff, it's been a pleasure to have you. I also get to know you. I know we met up at the lunch meeting before the season started. Glad you made it down here safely with the family. Slowly, I know, moving into the house like you just told us in the production meeting. But Jeff, welcome to Hear the Spirit. Happy to have you on this evening, man. Hey guys, thanks for having me, uh, man. My family and I are so excited to be in Tallahassee, and wow, what a what a first uh, couple of weeks with the uh, Florida State football. What a job done by Mike Norvell and his staff, and and this team two and zero, and man, memories made in the Big Easy for uh, Seminole fans. That's for sure. That was an amazing weekend. That was a that was a wild time. That was so that wasn't my first time technically inside that stadium. Supposedly, my mom told me that. Whenever I was in her belly, I was in that stadium, but I don't really count it too much as in we all of us being up there in the press box. That is a high press box. Let me just go ahead and tell you that right now. I'm not a big fan of heights. It took my body and eyes a little bit to adjust there for a minute, but that was a very high press box. But uh, the perks of having a credential going down there and seeing that game end and how it was and the fashion it was. I mean, what an incredible experience for Florida State fans that showed up. I mean, guys, that was a great showing by, you know, all of the Seminoles that traveled from across the country and definitely from Tallahassee. We got to see them on our drive over. That was a really impressive showing. And also from the LSU Tigers, you know, both crowds 50-50, but they brought the noise full of energy. All-State Sugar Bowl did a fantastic job of, hosting both teams, the media. It was it was definitely a fun time. And uh, I 
obviously leaving the stadium, Florida State coming away with the win just helps it a little bit better there. And Bourbon Street was popping, but it did a lot of damage to me. I'll be honest with you guys. It did a lot of damage to me on Saturday night. It, it, it was not, not, not my greatest showing on Sunday morning when I woke up. But – uh, a great, great weekend overall. Uh, VZ, what, what were your thoughts on, on this game? I mean, I know we had our instant reaction, a lot of things popping in and out of our heads. We were forgetting players that had big games. But, you know, now it's been a couple of days going back and looking at some of the film. Kind of what are you, what are you thinking now, man? This is a, a 2-0 record for the Florida State Seminoles for the first time in a lot of couple of years. Uh, on one hand, you know, Norvell talked about it today, how the execution could have been better, how they left, you know, 17, 18 points on the board. You know, obviously you're not going to be perfect in your first game against a real opponent in a season. And the fact that I thought they played pretty well for the majority of the game. Um, and I won't say dominated LSU, but definitely had it under control for a majority of that game. They were really efficient on third downs. I thought Jordan Travis was spectacular facing the blitz, facing pressure, getting the ball out. Um, there, there's definitely things to grow on, but definitely things to improve upon. And hopefully some guys can get healthy on this bye week going into Louisville next week. Yeah, we talked about it last week, uh, the battle at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the football. And, you know, the defensive line came out, punched LSU in the mouth throughout the game, got multiple tackles for loss, set up some lanes for the linebackers to come in there, which Tatum Tatum Bethune and Kalen Deloach, terrific performance uh, for them for the most part against LSU. They lost Jaden Daniels on a couple contains. He was able to get a couple long runs. But, man, they were filling the gaps and really shutting down LSU's running backs. And on the other, other side of the football – I think we expected Florida State's offensive line to struggle a little bit more than they actually ended up doing against LSU. You know, they didn't create a whole ton for the running backs. Treshawn Ward had the longest carry of the night at, at eight yards. But pass protection-wise, Jordan Travis had a lot of time back there, and he was also able to get creative at some points to make some huge plays on third down. And it just felt like the offense, they didn't really get behind the chains um, on, on most of their drives throughout the evening. And it was a very well-called game by Coach Norvell and Coach Atkins. And a couple of times it did get caught behind the chains. You had that one where Jordan Travis was, what, first and 20, and Jordan Travis runs for 24 yards. Um, Travis was just spectacular all game. And even the couple of sacks that he took in the game, and it, Florida State only lost, what, half a yard, a yard. Um, the offensive line was pretty good, all things considered, especially with Bless Harris not playing. You know, third time goes out to right tackle. I, I thought they did pretty well. What well, goes into a game and, and preparing for this? Because it's a little bit different from our side of things, Jeff. When we're going in, we're trying to give analysis, and we'll go on, come on here and, and do a show twice a week. But it's different, though, when you're live having to commentate a game like this. And, you know, we, we've had William Floyd on here, too, absolute legend. and I love listening to him. And, uh, you know, he, he came on here and, and was a great guest and gives great info. But what what is it? What is the preparation on your side? Because you're also having to prepare for LSU, too, and getting down that roster. But obviously, you know Florida State pretty well, and you're still developing and getting those guys' names down, too. And that had to happen pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I've got my charts in here if you kind of want to see what I look at, just to give everybody kind of a view of what mm-hmm. of what it is that I'm looking at, you know, in the Superdome on, on Sunday nights. And um, this is just – Oof. Wow. <laughs> you know, a little bit of a, I got offense and defense on both sides. And um, by the way, I'm up on my fantasy draft. If anybody wants to help me pick somebody in the second <laughs> round right now, um, yeah. this is LSU. So uh, are they, 
are those stats under there? Are there where they're from? High school yeah. measurements, everything like that. Yeah, stats, nuggets, um, career stats, trends, high school. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, as much as you know uh, across the board, as much as that I can get in there. You know, usually you only use. You know, the old adage is 20% of your stuff. Well, when you have a 90-minute rain delay for Duquesne, we used about 98% of it. Um, <laughs> but Sunday was amazing. It was an amazing night. I, you know, I would tell you I've been working on this game. Uh, I've been working on our guys for a while, I would say for months, you know, because it's not just about this team. It's about the, the program, the history, the traditions, everything across the board, you know, and doing whatever I can to get ingrained as quickly as possible and then, you know, LSU is, is a tough study as well because they only had, I think, I think they had 69 guys leave the team uh, at the end of last season. And so that's a completely new new look to it here. Um, who should we take, wide receiver or running back right now, guys? I got – so I took Cooper Cup for my first pick. Um, C.D. Lamb, Tyreek Hill. Do I got to go running back here with the second pick? What do you think? Who's the backs? Who's, who's the backs? Yeah, I got James Conner. Um, Aaron Jones and Green Bay. That could be solid because they don't really Take have receivers one. this year. I, I think I'd take Aaron Jones. They don't really have receivers this year. Yeah, I like Aaron. I like Aaron Jones. I know Saquon's there, but I've, I'm personally not a big fan. I don't God, I hate, And I hate the Packers, too. This is going to suck. <laughs> I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm a Vikings fan. Uh, <laughs> I'm far from a Packers Are you a Vikings fan? fan? Yeah. Nice. My, my dad grew up in Crookston, so yeah. Jim just said take Aaron Jones. So Jim, I'm going with you. I go. We went. We went Jim's got Aaron Jones pick two. So there, there we go, Jim. So right, right now we've got Cooper Cup. Jeff's got Cooper Cup because his fantasy draft is just now starting. Um, so he's got Cooper Cup, and now we've yeah. got Aaron Jones as a running back. This the, would be the a NFL's lot. different, right? It's like wide receiver driven now, isn't it? With fantasy drafts, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to really go out the league running back yeah, and health wise yeah. too. The one yeah. I was in, everyone took the running backs early. I, I think part, I think part of it is there's just so few true number one running backs now. You know, in the NFL, there's so many running back by committees, like especially in San Fran, Baltimore. Twenty one's got a good question here, and we talked about it on the Mark Rogers show a couple of hours ago. He's bringing up the game calling and Mike Norvell and now split off from Kenny Dillingham. Kenny Dillingham now over there with Dan Lanning at Oregon. I noted on this throughout the offseason, our preseason coverage, I thought this was going to be a little bit different of an offensive play calling throughout this season with Norvell being solo dolo. I mean, I don't know if he was just doing because he also had five-star hiking Williams and a few other big-time targets in attendance for this game, but he was – Dicing up some explosive plays for for some of his guys that are skilled. You saw in Terry Wilson bring in those two touchdowns, one of them being an incredible grab. But I like this now. I mean, you no longer have Kenny Dillingham. Those two kind of sharing duties with game prep, play calling, all that kind of stuff. It's now solely focused on the shoulders of Norvell. And I thought this game, other than a few mistakes, this was a very pretty called game. And you got to give your hat tip off to Jordan Travis for putting these players in positions to make these plays. Some of them not able to come down with grabs. I know there was a few there. You lose out on a touchdown with Johnny Wilson. I know there was a, uh, a Cam McDonald, a beautiful throw there. That was an NFL type throw slicing it down. Uh, you know, the second part of that defense into the secondary, that was a great throw, but Jordan Travis Norvell was putting guys in a position to make plays. And I thought this was a really pretty played 
play calling by Norvell uh, on Sunday night. I agree. And I mean, you can even go to um, the call in the fourth quarter, the, the pitch to Treshawn Ward on the goal line on that final offensive drive for Florida State, wherever he fumbled it and LSU picked it up. If you watch the beginning of the fourth quarter when FSU goes down and gets that final touchdown on, on the short run from DJ Lundy, they run a similar concept where they pitch out to the right to Lawrence Toa Philly. They seal it perfectly on the edge, and Toa Philly is able to get about eight. You go back and look at the one um, where they, they pitch it toward on the goal line, they have, they have that set up again. They've got the seal ready to go, but it just seemed like the pitch wasn't exactly clean. Ward wasn't able to handle it. If he picks that, if he grabs it, he's walking in the end zone on the right side. So I thought it was a really good game um, from Norvell. They did a great job of setting up the setting up the pass through the running game, even though the running backs weren't, you know, successful really throughout the entire game, only able to get a long run of eight yards from Treshawn Ward. And then in the passing game, very creative, mixing the tight ends a little bit. Ontario Wilson was able to make some good plays outside of a couple drops. Very clean night on offense for Florida State. Yeah, I thought that I thought that was something that I think Florida State moving forward with Mike Norvell, it's going to be fun to watch this offense because you're putting guys in some position to make some big time plays, and and some of them came down with it. And I, I thought Ontario Wilson, he's not talked about a ton. You know, we we get to go to all these practices, Jeff, which is really a nice thing from coach Norvell, which we're super appreciative. We get to see these guys grow and get better, but someone we didn't talk about a ton is on Terry Wilson, just because he's a veteran guy. He's been on this squad for a while. You got in the new transfers, new guys in the room. Those are the guys that were highly talked about, but on Terry Wilson, I mean, being able to call a play like that, whenever, obviously you've got the trickery play, what you called, and then you've got the one-handed grab. Like, I mean, does that not just give you, like, it just gives you free reign to do kind of whatever you want and give the Seminole fans what they like? Yeah, I mean, I think he's a six-year guy that everyone's been talking about the transfers, and rightly so. I mean, look, you got great players in Micah Pittman and Johnny Wilson. You know, Deuce Span, we haven't even seen Winston Wright yet, unfortunately, with the car accident last spring. I mean, he's another guy. I talked to my West Virginia people, and that's one of the guys they they – hate that left because of what the year he had a year ago uh, with Neil Brown and that crew there. And so, look, I, I, I think that it's a great mix. And you take a look at the, the mix of lengthy drives so far this season, coupled with creativity in the play calling. Everybody's going to hang on the end of the game because of the drop pitch and, and, you know, the, the, the decision to go for it on fourth and, and two inside the 10. I like it because it tells my guys in a close game that we're going for the throat on national TV against an LSU team on the road. And it gives your guys confidence, you know, from your play caller and head coach early in the season. Um, everybody talks about the pitch and look, that's a pretty simple play. I mean, I, I think Treshawn Ward would tell you 10 times out of 10, he's going to hang on to that thing. I mean, I get it. Like, I understand what people are saying, but, you know, ultimately that's a pretty simple play to execute. It was just a situation where I think Trey Sean got excited and took his eye off the football for a split second. Um, and, and look, talk about creativity. I mean, how about a, an end around flea flicker to, to Pokey Wilson, Micah Pittman throws a backside block to, to keep Jordan clean and then getting a middle linebacker involved in goal line situations and had DJ Lundy, the football, for six points, right? And so 
Uh, there's a lot of creativity in there. And I believe the stat I saw on social media today was Florida State already has six drives of 11 plays or more on offense this season. That ties the total for all of last year. And in 2020, there were 11 drives of 11 plays or more. And so you're looking at an offense that is going away from, well, we can only hit the big play. Now you're sustaining drives and watching this offense wear down opposing defenses. Um, this was a game where I think everybody would say, I'm seeing the comments right here, you know, this could have been 31 to 10 or, or 34 to 13. And I think there's a positive that comes out of this where you look at it and you go, hey, didn't play a perfect brand of football and still won against a really caliber, quality caliber opponent. Um, there's some teachable moments here for this team to get better, which is exciting. Mm, there is. And to your point about 11 plays or more, there's three of them against LSU, two of 14 plays and another of 12. All three ended in touchdowns. Um, just yeah. really methodical drives. And like I mentioned earlier, they were just killing it on third downs, being able to identify the pressure, get it out to the safe option. Um, we're, we're finally starting to see some of the stuff Norvell ran in, in Memphis, you know, using multiple backs, using multiple receivers, using the tight ends. Um, and, and Travis <clears> – <throat> Like I said, it's been spectacular. If he could keep playing like he did against LSU, he's going to have a really, really good season. I think that's a great start for a team that's going to start going on the road now. They'll go to Louisville next weekend, who got smoked by Syracuse, which was definitely a surprise to all of us. But just going off of his demeanor, I mean, being down there on the field for warmups and, you know, that LSU crowd, the student section was right there. I mean, they were saying some. Not so nice things to join Travis football. That's what's going to happen when you sign up to play football. You're going to have, you're going to have some guys chirping in your head there. But I just love the demeanor for myself from Jordan Travis. It's, it's different from last year and the whole 180 from two years ago. This guy is managing the game, and it's it fit the game from Norvell's play calling to Jordan Travis. They wanted to take time off of that clock because they knew they felt pretty good about their drives getting down there and being able to score. And I, you know, I got to get. A nice hat tip to also Coach Tokars. This is his first year being a quarterback's coach. And looking at the development that we've seen from Jordan Travis as a game manager and utilizing his skill to stay looking downfield, usually he'll pull up in that pocket and he's running off. Last year he would have done that early part in that season. He's staying in that pocket as long as he can, looking down the field, trying to find a target to get some yards down the field. So it's just a nice – Join the pod. Nice upgrade we've seen from Jordan Travis. Oh, we've got a guest with Jeff now. We've got a guest who is hey this. Say hello to Alexander Colhane making his debut on uh, the pod here. Say hey, Alexander. Hello, Alexander. Hello. There you go. <laughs> just like just like Wit once said, radio call was awesome. Which part of the game? Obviously, that last call is, is going to be your most exciting part so far. But what really? what kind of gave you the chills throughout yeah. that game? Because I feel like there was some multiple times throughout that game where, you know, I, I feel like there were some goosebumps coming from, from Florida State fans and that's in those stands. Yeah, no, I, and I, I look, I really appreciate everybody reaching out on social media and everybody's been so kind and welcoming. And, you know, I know change is hard, right? I mean, I look, Gene Deckerhoff is the GOAT. He's a legend. I mean, um, there's no way to fill, fill that man's shoes in any way, shape or form. He's such an amazing broadcaster an even better person. And he and his wife, Ann and their family have been so great to me and wit. I appreciate the kind words. And, uh, someone earlier said, Hey, how do we listen back? And, um, there's actually, if you go to Seminoles.com, you go to the multimedia and play past events tab 
Um, yeah, there's James with the, the question there. Yeah, Seminoles.com, uh, multimedia, and I believe it's, you know, listen live for free and then play past events. We need to get that, make that a little bit easier, I feel like, as I say it out loud right now to everybody. Um, but, you know, it's been it's been a blast. And, you know, you know, a few different moments. Look, I thought I thought the second play of the game was massive. You know, of all the plays in that game that we talk about, the second play of the game after Jaden Daniels' 25-yard run, the 15-yard penalty, and then the ball in the back in the end zone to Keishon Booty where he had it, and Akeem Dent knocked it away. If they score a touchdown to Booty on the second play of the game, that place is loose, and all of a sudden Keishon Booty's involved, and he's a part of the game. And who knows what it looks like after that. I thought that was a massive play early in the contest. We're not talking about enough right now. Um, you know, the third down, you know, the third down uh, conversions were amazing. I believe four of uh, Jordan's first six completions were on third down in the game. And one of the drives that resulted in a touchdown, um, uh, Jordan converted four third downs, I believe, later on uh, in the contest as well. So, you know, obviously the end of the game was unbelievable, but the one-headed catch by, by Pokey Wilson cannot be talked about enough. I mean, uh, first of all, Jordan gets absolutely smacked by Ali Gay with a, you know, a, a Superman, you know, spear to the chin from Gay. That's going to – should keep him out for three games, quite honestly, as ridiculous <laughs> as that was. Uh, and then Pokey being P.I.'d and still coming down with it. That one, that one was a goosebump moment for me with everything that happened and that was involved. It was, it was wild to see Terry Wilson come down with that grab. I mean, you look at him and a guy that we didn't get to see play last week, and he comes in and has this presence and the way that they were able to get down the field with him and, make, and get these touchdowns. I mean, that was a really impressive guy on the field and someone that maybe LSU wasn't maybe preparing enough for. And that's understandable because now you've got a whole wide receiver room where Florida State – is performing a lot better and in the passing game and, and Jordan Travis dialing up some special plays and finding Micah Pittman in the middle of nowhere. Or you got Johnny Wilson diving for a catch there of a, I don't yeah. know what you call it, a hop and throw from Jay Trav getting out of the pocket. I, I just, I think it's interesting with this, this offense, it's, it's close to being really dynamic. I mean, think about some of the plays in the first two games where thank you, Carol, for the kind words. I really appreciate that. You know, we've had, we've seen a few drops. I mean, this wide receiving core, as good as they've been, you know, Johnny's dropped legitimately two touchdowns. One is first opportunity versus Duquesne, and then in the back corner of the end zone. When he gets that reined in, I mean, he's already, we know, a special player. Micah Pittman's just starting to, to really scratch the surface and get ingrained. Uh, now you got Pokey Wilson healthy and coming out and doing some great things. Cam McDonald make two massive catches on third down and then had the one, you know, Logan that you talked about where Jordan made an NFL throw and he heard the steps coming from his right with a safety bearing down. And he just didn't make the play. This, this is an offense in a group that's, that's just scratching the surface overall. And I know everybody wants, we're, we're a microwave society. Everybody wants this thing to be working perfectly. Now um, it, it's a group that's got really a, a high potential of being pretty special and pretty spectacular. One with the talent, two with the depth, and three with Mike Norvell calling plays with his offensive staff's collaboration and his creativity. I, I'm really excited to see what's going to come here. Especially once you get Winston right back, you unlock the potential more of to span, um, get your Kai Douglas back hopefully soon. You know, there's still a ton of potential in that in that 
wide receiver room that's just going to keep going. And, and the thing with Pittman that I love, he's not, he's not willing to get dirty. We, we saw that blindside block on that reverse. We saw it last week against Duquesne. He's willing to do whatever it takes to get the team some yards. And he had some big catches on third down. Yeah, yeah he did. That, that one coming across the middle where he just slithers through a few defenders to get the first, that was, was a good play. Very good net navigator. He's got good eyes, like a like a running back, and that's the way I see Jordan Travis too. He understands where the blocks are coming, and, and he leads well going down the field. Uh, on the defensive side of things, Jeff, I think you're going to be calling a lot of sacks <laughs> with this guy's name, Jared Verse, for the rest of the season going into next year too. Someone who we got to see a lot of in the spring. I was extremely high. I I, I already got my stuff answered in the spring. I knew this guy was going to be a starter. And now to see him performing at this level against SEC-type talent and absolutely bullying. I mean, I understand you've got a true freshman there that you're putting there at tackle against Jared. Uh, I was – I got to say, I was even more impressed after that because I thought it would be a good even battle there, but Jared showed us right first blank national television that he's here to play FBS football, and he's coming for your head. And he played well, and – I think I think you've got a lot of sacks to call yeah. for a lot of games throughout his career. Yeah, drop that beat, Jared Verse. Let's go. Come on, <laughs> play that, uh, sing that sweet, sweet quarterback sack song, baby. Let's go. Um, I, he he's you know you, you don't want to jump ahead too far, but he is he's matching the expectations early in the season. And so I saw somebody ask on here, did we see the fifty? you know, holding calls that they missed on verse. I mean, he was coming around and um, it's tough when you have there. Yeah, there it is from Nick. It's tough when you have a, a guy a quarterback that moves because I think it moves the rep, the referees and officials eyes as well with the play. They don't get, you know, as much of that going on. And it's going to be big next Friday with Malik Cunningham as well. I mean, we all know, and, and Adam Fuller knows he made it pretty clear Monday night during the coaches show that we got to, we got to do much better than what we have against Malik Cunningham. Over the last two years, it has not been, you know, up to up to standards, up to expectations. And so uh, Jared Verse is a guy that I actually saw. I think I told you guys this. I've told this story. He was in the Fargo Dome at my previous stop a year ago with Albany, And I watched him play against North Dakota State. Um, and and, you know, he stood out, obviously, then against an NDSU group that had NFL guys at both tackle spots at the FCS level, you know. And so, um he, he's the real deal. Now, now he's got some film out on him. People are aware of him. Now it's it's going to get – he's going to get a lot of attention, right? I mean, he's going to get – there, there's not going to be true freshman left tackles coming his way for the most part, I don't think, the rest of the season. And that's not his fault. I mean, he's going to play against whoever they line up against him, right? So um, he is he, – he's got everything physically. He's a very confident young man. I love his demeanor. I love the way – he goes out and plays the game and plays with excitement and plays with energy and enthusiasm. He is going to be a fan favorite. There's no question. And, and as much as Logan was talking him up uh, this offseason, I don't think any of us saw nine quarterback pressures coming from him this game against LSU. Right. I mean, he was just living in the backfield and, you know, maybe he should have gotten a holding call here or there. Um, but he was super impressive. And this was my first time seeing him in person. I live in Charlotte, so I don't get the chance to see him. Standing next to him on the field, he's just massive. Yeah. Just absolutely massive. Um, I don't know how he was an FCS talent to begin with because he's going to be insane for him for Florida State all season. 
Yeah, I've, I tried to limit the hype a little bit because Logan's done a lot of comparing him to Jermaine Johnson. And I just tried to lay the facts on the table. There's a guy making a transition from the FCS to the FBS, and he's not a graduate transfer coming in like Jermaine Johnson is. But I don't think we can limit the hype any longer. I mean, he just came out there and shined um, against LSU, dominated both of those tackles. It didn't matter if it was the true freshman on the left side or the more experienced guy on the right side. He was getting after him all night. As you said, Austin, nine nine quarterback pressures. He came away with two sacks. If you go back and, and watch that game, he was an inch, two inches away from coming away with maybe four or five. I mean, Jared, Jared was right on uh, Jaden Daniels' back a couple times and a really standout performance from him. And now you're looking at three sacks, four tackles for loss already in the first two games for Florida State. It's going to be exciting to watch because I think this is just the beginning for him and the rest of those defensive ends as they continue to gain more experience at this level. Go on the offensive side real quick. I didn't want to forget this. You had he had DJ Lundy go in and score a touchdown, a fellow fullback with William Floyd. What was his reaction like, Jeff, to have that touchdown right there? Because we had seen it in practices. We can't ever disclose about what's going on in practice, and uh, we try to keep away from that. But we got to see it, and Norvell give it a shot there with Lundy taking it in. For six, I wonder what William Floyd's reaction yeah. was there. Uh, he called out the play. He said, "It looks like a little thirty-five belly to me." And then he went on to say, "It's on and popping here in the Superdome." So he was excited. He was excited. <laughs> he was fired up. Um, but yeah, give the ball to DJ Lundy inside. You know, like you talked about, um, and I said it on the broadcast, you don't see a ton of under center work from this team. It's it, a lot of it's in the shotgun. So. You know, that's a, that's a different wrinkle. It's a little thing, but that's a different wrinkle where Jordan Travis lines up under center. You think, oh, my God, he's going to sneak it. What are they going to do? All of a sudden, it puts the defense on their heels a little bit, and I guarantee you there are some some more options out of that that are in that playbook um, with that look right there that I think is pretty darn cool. So, yeah, um, pretty special when you see a defensive guy line up at fullback and get a, a tutty. Uh, in the Superdome, right? I mean, that that doesn't happen in, in this day and age of football anymore. That was a fun thing to watch. Going over to some of his teammates in that position group, you got to see Deloach have another really impressive game like we saw against Duquesne. And then you've got Tatum Bethune, who has already, you know, gotten into this system, and it has seemed seamless. You know, he, he just looks like he fits well. And I, I had to give props to Randy Shannon because it's a little bit of different coaching than what you had with Chris Marv last year, the previous couple of years with Chris Marv. Randy Shannon kind of lets them learn on their own at some points. Yeah, he'll, he'll get in your ear a few times, but he's going to let you learn and you'll learn quick with him. And it seems like that linebacker room is you're starting to see some really nice improvements and you're seeing some big time plays being made i mean you look at tatum bethune going east and west i mean yeah. reading that backfield perfectly you know still you know there's some slip-ups here and there but the positives to take away from this is this room continues to improve and it's going to be fun watching this linebacker continue to grow and you've also got the touchdown man himself dj lundy back there too who has had a big time fall camp and that those three guys, as long as things stay healthy there, you feel really good heading throughout the rest of the season, going against some teams that have some good running backs. I'm thinking immediately of Will Shipley over there at Clemson that absolutely dominated Florida State last year in Death Valley. 
these linebackers are going to have to continue to make strides. But, uh, you know, a big, a big game out of Bethune, Deloach, and Lundy. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think I think Tatum's a dude. I mean, just look at his numbers at Central Florida. That's that's a that's a quality program with you know the American that's not that far off of the top tier of that that conference. I mean, that's just that's just me being honest. And so he's an, an amazing talent. I think you have you know promoting Randy Shannon as an assistant defensive coordinator and linebackers coach, being a full time guy as far as a position group goes. The, the guy can coach. I mean. He knows what he's doing, obviously. And so Bethune is a huge portal pickup. Uh, Kalen Deloach is extremely athletic and flying around. Um, you know, you win this game with Amari Gaynor hurt as well. That's another thing we haven't talked about a lot. I mean, this is a guy that's played a ton of football for Florida State and has done some tremendous things during his career uh, at FSU. And so you, you got to have guys that can move. I mean, this is a day, you know, an era in college football where you don't have to be Six three two thirty two forty and be a thumper. You got to move and play in space. And uh, these guys that have been brought in have been developed, and some of the portal pickups as well. These are all fitting that blueprint defensively under Adam Fuller. And um, you're going to get another challenge again with Malik Cunningham next Friday night with a Louisville team that, speaking to UCF, they go on the road. They've looked awful at Syracuse. I'm sure they'll bounce back. There's a chance they could be zero and two coming in for their home opener and ACC opener next Friday night. Yeah, before letting you go, Jeff, because I know that the draft. What are you on number three yet? Have you picked number three yet? Yeah, give me give me your guys' thoughts on this here. Okay, I got I got two running backs, two receivers picked in a flex. Okay, uh, running backs are Aaron Jones and Josh Jacobs in Vegas. Okay, Cooper um, Cup, Terry McLaurin in Washington. Yeah, and I took uh, Jerry Judy as my flex in Denver over DK Metcalf because I think Russell Wilson's going to get him the ball better than whoever. Seattle has. What do you think? How am I doing? Yeah, I like Solid the Judy guy. pick. They're gonna they're gonna toss it in Denver this year. Yeah, All right. they are. I like that one. But before before we let you go, Jeff, because we got another early morning tomorrow with a practice and Magnervell hitting the field on Thursday. A team that's looking to respond after today's practice. Magnervell not so pleased with it. On that kind of topic, we've seen this team do this, and Magnervell brought it up today in the in the press conference afterwards that. You know, they got close to beating Notre Dame last year. They went in overtime, close game. But then they go, uh, you know, on a streak there of losing three more games in a row. This is now going to be something I'm going to keep an eye on, on how this team has matured since that last season, on if they can respond here. Who do you think, and and this locker room is going to have to be a leader that stands out and keeps these guys on track? Because we got to hear some good things from Akeem Dent, and he – it's fine with it being two and zero, but he's not. He's not satisfied one bit, and he showed that his demeanor was like that. And he also was calling out his teammates that they need to respond. I mean, this was a sluggish practice yeah. on Wednesday, and his coach said it. Who do you think needs to stand out here? And do you think this team can mature and to res- and to responding yeah. and being better? Yeah, I, mean, I think there's a number of guys you have here. Obviously, Jordan Travis uh, is a name that comes to mind right away. Uh, Fabian Lovett is another one of those names that comes to mind right away. Hopefully he's doing all right from a, you know, from a physicality standpoint, getting dinged up at the end of the game against LSU. Um, I think Dylan Gibbons is another guy up front along the offensive line that has a lot, you know, has earned the respect as a second year player with the type of person that he is uh, and the type of player that he is, you know, certainly as well. So, um, 
you know, Tatum Bethune is a guy that um, has has also, I think, emerged as a leader within this group and within this defense. Uh, there's no question about it. So um, I, I think the big thing is Mike Norvell understands, you know, what he's trying to to guard against here. And I, and I don't know if he brought it up today with you guys in the media or not, but I think he mentioned back in 2020 after beating North Carolina, the number five ranked Tar Heels, they got just trounced by Louisville yeah. a week later. I mean, the, you know, the connection there is obviously uh, jumps out the page at you. And so, you know, you've, you've won two games. You haven't played perfectly in both by any means. And so um, it's, it's great to get that win, but by no means should this team believe that they are a finished product overall and that they have arrived in any way, shape, or form. There's plenty of work to do here. There's plenty of work to do. And this win puts them in a situation of, I think, being ahead of the eight ball a, a little bit, being ahead of the curve, I should say, um, and and being in a situation where, look, you go on the road next week and take care of business, it's not going to be easy. You're 3-0 and with two home games coming up, and people around Tallahassee and the Seminole family are juiced for those next two games at Doe Campbell. So, um, you know, you just you just got to kind of handle the success with with a, a level of understanding that, yes, we won. Yes, let's enjoy this. But it's over now. Now we got to move on and now we got to go win the next one. And so um, I know coach talked about being an average practice today. I have no doubt that these leaders, this group's going to make them get them bounce back and make them get their uh, get their uh, situation where they need to go. Yeah, I, I agree. And they this happened a little bit during the – not a lot in fall camp. This happened last year. We'll see if there's a bounce back there where tomorrow things get more dialed in. And, you know, like you said, Coach Norvell, I think this was the most energized practice he had <laughs> since <laughs> the fall by far. A very – keeping everybody accountable, and that's just what you get from Coach Norvell in a practice. I'm just glad that I'm not in the pads, Jeff. I'm glad I'm not out there. I'm not in the 100-degree yeah. heat. I was standing there not moving in a polo and a pair of slacks I had to go in the AC watching those guys today. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, Jeff, I do appreciate you. I doubt this will be the last time we'll have you on here. Always a good time to catch up during practices. And I just want to give a big time shout out to you. A beautifully called game. I know the fan base has loved and, and welcomed you here into Tallahassee. And so uh, best of luck, too, with transitioning, moving into the yeah. house and everything and with the fantasy draft going on and we'll see you uh in the morning appreciate you jeff sounds good logan austin dustin appreciate you guys and again uh thank you so much to everyone you guys have been just fantastic very welcoming um but, you know I'm, I'm glad that uh sunday night ended in a positive fashion for the Knowles, and i hope that we did uh, that moment the justice that you all thought it deserved so appreciate you guys can't wait to come back on again sometime down the road go Knowles. Absolutely, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you. I think FSU fans are automatically going to start liking Jeff no matter what he calls if they keep the streak going <laughs> and the winning streak going. I, I think it doesn't matter what he could say. As long as wins keep coming, Jeff might be the good luck coming down from North Dakota State, who obviously had a very nice – has a very nice program up there up north. So – might, might be bringing that good juju down here to Tallahassee, but so far, 
so far, so good. So far, so good. But we'll definitely have Jeff on maybe throughout the season. Uh, it's always great to catch up with them. Also, a big Game of Thrones guy, so yeah, it clicks clicks pretty well. This, uh, you know, I kind of want to go back to the rest of this game real quick. We talked about Jared Verse. We talked about the linebackers. I want to talk about these DBs. Did anybody hear about Renardo Green in this game, except for his big hit? Anybody I was going to say, well, yeah, <laughs> at one point when he planted Jaden Daniels through the turf. Yep. Yeah. No, it was a it was a quiet night in coverage uh, for Renardo, which is good when when you're a defensive back. Yeah. Two, yeah. two points on Green. When, when I was writing my recap, I did not realize he led the team in tackles until I looked at the stats. He led the team with eight tackles, and then second, he followed Boutte a lot more than I thought he would. You know, he would follow him to the slot. He would follow him back outside wide. I, I'd like to see how many snaps exactly he played against Boutte, but Boutte was out of that game pretty early on. You know, didn't see many targets. When he did get targeted, he was pretty upset. Renato Green was in his head. You know, it, it wasn't as much of rotating DPs on the Boutte as we thought. It was a lot of number eight. Garden and I will. Garden Boutte. I will have to look on that final drive, but I know at least the second to last catch that Boutte had, one of two catches he had on the entire night, was uh, man coverage from from Amorion Cooper, where they brought Boutte in motion um, to the opposite side of the field, and Amorion wasn't able to get there in time, and they, they threw it out to him on that fourth down. They were able to get the conversion. But I'll have to check the other one. So Renardo Green might have not allowed a catch from Boutte all night. I mean, Porter, we talked about LSU's receiving core, coming into this game and I mentioned I, th- I thought it was crucial Florida State's receiving receivers against LSU's receivers and you look at the talent that LSU had coming back five guys that had 350 or more yards last year I thought there was going to be some big plays um, from the Tigers through the air and that didn't really happen um, it was very impressive the way that they shut those guys down especially Butte because like Jeff said whenever he got on here they had a chance to get him in a rhythm early in the end zone and Akeem Dent came over there and, and laid a lick on him and Dent got him another time in that second half. And, man, Boutte did not like it. And we need to go back because we did this last week, but we're kind of messing up. It's Booty. That's what Booty said I in refuse. his interview. And I'm, going, I'm going Boutte. So. I refuse. We're going we're gonna to go. I'm not saying Booty. Booty. I'm not After saying a Booty. Booty-type booty game? I don't know about that. That seems like a pretty easy way to go well, with that. It, it, it's just funny. Like, there's that whole post going around before the game, like that fake Norvell post saying, ah, we're not scared of the receivers in D-line. We weren't. <laughs> the, the, the receivers really didn't do much, partially because of the pass rush, and it was more Jaden Daniels hurting us with his legs until, until that last drive. And then the offensive line, for the most part, handled their defensive line. Obviously, with Mason Smith going down with that ACL injury, played a part in that. Quick recoveries to him, hopefully. Um, but, you know, the, the two parts we were most worried about, you know, especially with Boutte wearing that famed LSU 7 that everybody's wearing, Pat Peterson, Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. They did a good job on him. Yeah. No, I, I thought that play by Hakeem Dent was special. And I want to go to well, – I want to go through a thing here. And I, I saw some people giving Adam Fuller a hard time. That's just kind of like the regular thing to do. Now, um, <laughs> let's go Let's go to Ryan Fitzgerald. We're, we're going to do, do some criticism here for a little bit because can't always be positive. That's got to be fixed. I mean, we're wearing a dome – you know, those, those kind of things, you're putting your defense in a rough spot, and that's one thing I need to note there for Adam, Adam Floor. That that defense was already starting off in, in a rough spot there, and they were still able to 
do a good job against LSU and Jaden Daniels and and do as much as they could to stop that offense. And it worked well, definitely when you have that pass rush coming. But that, that's one thing on special teams that Florida State has got to fix there. Um, I, I think it's all mental. You know, we, Ryan had a phenomenal first game against Duquesne, kicking very well. Coach Papp really pleased with his performance, but I don't know. I think it's all a mental thing with Ryan. We know that he's got the the potential there and the talent, but uh, just something slipped up there. But I thought that was worth noting that, you know, Adam Fuller still with the, the extra yarders that LSU was, was able to have on those drives, they were still able to take care of business and not really allow LSU to do much until that late, you know, that, that late fourth quarter. It was nerves. Um, in my opinion, you know, you look at last year, Ryan Fitzgerald was solely the place kicker for Florida state and they had Parker Grothhouse handle the majority of the kickoff duties. So, this was really Fitzgerald's first time, big environment, big game against LSU, a big stage. And I think it just got the most of them early on. And he hit that first one out of bounds, pushed the field goal. You go back and look at it. I mean, man, the field goal was very close. It was about a foot to the right. He almost hit that. And then, yeah, he pushes the other kickoff out of bounds as well. So, yeah, you, you definitely want to see him bounce back against Louisville and hopefully getting a little bit of a rhythm here as FSU starts to approach uh, – the first third of the season we'll see how it goes but outside of that and maybe the return units special teams for Florida State have been amazing uh the first two games you look at the kickoff coverage unit LSU two kickoff returns on Sunday night only 31 yards Florida State was um dropping them back and then they had the one they dropped LSU at I think the 18 yard line and of course Akeem Dent gets the questionable roughing the passer penalty on the next play. And then you get the pass interference penalty on Jamie Robinson that kind of pushed LSU for points. But the kickoff coverage team, Wyatt Rector, Brendan Gant in particular, did a very good job. The the punt team going down there, Rector got as close as legally possible to Malik Neighbors. And I think it messed with his concentration, causing a drop and Rector falls right on top of it. And the other one, Brendan Gant just flying down there, um, hustling and, when you hustle, sometimes good things happen. Ball bounces right into his lap, into his hands, and he walks into the end zone whenever neighbors muffs it. Unfortunately, NCAA rules don't allow you to return a muff punt, which I don't frankly understand, but all right. Um, so the special uh, team – and then you get the, you get the block kicks as well um, off that left side. The special teams have been great for Florida State. And, um, you know – we talked about a little bit before, but those live special teams reps that Florida State did during the preseason, the very first time that they've done it under Mike Norvell, seemed to have paid off through the first two games. I, I tweeted it during the game. Wyatt Rector was on demon mode all game. Between that, kind of forced muff punt. He drew, he drew the unsportsmanlike penalty late in the first yes, quarter. Where that he was nice. The kind of the guy pushed it back. And, of course, yeah. the second guy always gets called. But Rector was just doing stuff like that all night, just trying to get in people's heads, rubbing people – it was pretty funny, honestly. Um, and I'm glad the special teams is finally doing something. That was something Norville was big on when he came to Tallahassee. He was going to have a good special teams unit. And the first two years were kind of rough. It's, it's uh, not beat around the bush, but, you know, hopefully they can keep it up. I saw, I saw earlier, I think PFF has us first in special teams right now through two games. Um, and I'll be honest. Oh, God, you can finish. I, mean, I was just saying, if we're first with the way the kickoffs have looked so far with Fitzgerald kicking two out of bounds and, and the missed field goal, Got to like where you're at. I think it just shows how much this team is buying in to what Norvell is doing yeah. at Florida State because they weren't this committed on special teams the first two years. And look at the guys that are doing it. Wyatt Rector 
converted quarterback. He started his college career playing quarterback at Western Mission, transferred to Florida State to play quarterback. Norvell comes in. They convert him to tight end. Now this guy's out there on special teams, recovering fumbles, going down on kickoffs, knocking people out. You got Brendan Gant, a former four-star defensive back, converted to linebacker, looked like a last-ditch effort for him at Florida State. And he's out there doing the same thing, hustling down on the kickoffs, recovering the muffed punt, where he's just hustling to be in the right position to make a play if it's possible. I think it's impressive that you've got these guys who, you know, things didn't go exactly how they were expecting whenever they arrived at Florida State, but they fought through the adversity and they're figuring out a way to still make an impact uh, with the Seminoles. Yeah, no. Uh, one thing, and I promise I'm not just all pro Adam Fuller here and starting his campaign to be next president, but I do want to go on to one of the drives, though, where Jamie Rob- Robinson had the – I'm sorry, that was bogus PI. I mean, both guys were going at it, ruined that drive, and then I think there was – I mean, there was flags all over the place in LSU's favor. We all were sitting up there in the press box like, what? Not, not so sure about that, and that's what – was able to allow LSU to get down there and put points on the board. But if that Jamie Robinson flag doesn't happen and, and that PI call, which that's just two good players going at it. I mean, you, you just let that happen. But I think refs were going to allow, going to go ahead and allow LSU to get down there on the field a little bit and get this crowd going. But that, that, that was just a really ugly drive there on the refs calling, in my opinion, that yeah, allowed LSU to score. LSU had four scoring drives and two of them had, I think 30 penalty yards. Mm-hmm. Or at least twenty-five penalty yards. You know that first drive. You know, had had the late hit out of bounds. Was that the one with the PI, or was that something else? Uh, whenever no. James, I don't, I don't know. I just, <laughs> the PI was the. It was in the third quarter. That's right. The first one you had to kick off out of bounds. They started the thirty-five, and then they had the late yep. hit. That's what it was. And then you had another yeah. kickoff out of bounds later on yeah. as well that got them in good field position. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it, most of those penalties were 50-50, I thought, on the PI side. Even though there was some that arguably could have been called and weren't, and there were some that were called that shouldn't have been. Um, thought there was a lot of hand fighting between the receivers and DBs on both sides, um, especially with that Micah Pittman one on fourth and two, according to the end zone, just a lot of hand fighting in general. I thought it was a good no call. Honestly, they were both hand fighting, but I could have seen it gone as a, as a TPI. Yeah, um, that's what I was going to bring up. I, saw, I looked at the replay earlier today, and, I mean, say Ryan – grabbing Pittman's hand as he's trying to make that extension for the catch. So close. Yeah, it, it, it's one of those that could go either way. It, it really is. Um, you know, if they could clean some of those up, especially those really longer penalties. Um, and if Fitzgerald can actually kick because he's a kicker, um, things should be all right. So can we talk, we're talking about officiating and these flags. Can we talk about the call at the end? LSU, mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels throws to Mason Taylor. He's running to the right side of the field. It looks like the refs call him out of bounds when he's tackled around the one-yard line, but they go back and look at the replay, and he's actually tackled inbounds with well, one. It, and it's crazy because none of us even thought he got – like none of us even questioned that he got out of bounds. Like, okay, they got out of bounds at the one- or two-yard line. Somehow some, someone told Norvell because I think – I'm pretty sure Norvell challenged it, right? Yep. I was uh, yeah, I was down there. Uh Norvell, I think first off the staff was telling Norvell, "Hey, let's let's first check at that time if there's actually one second left." So that yeah. allowed then this the refs to close everything off and then we're going to stop it at one second. So that already puts LSU in a way better spot than what if they were going live like that. You wouldn't you either had to have a, a play call ready 
or you're just shooting it because you obviously can't spike the ball. Shout out to Miami and Tyler Van Dyke. Um, but that already kind of screwed up everything because I did see Mike Norvell is right there in the end zone watching all. Mike's going out there. He's talking to the refs. Is there, is, there, is there really one second left? What's going on here? And then he starts going to the red flag, the challenge. And then it, it turns into a, what, a 20 minute or so yeah, conversation from refs and everything. It, 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 it felt long. It was, about, it was about 10 minutes, I think. Um, because there's a lot of things I got to look at on the review. A, did he actually get out of bounds? B, is the time right? And then C, what do we actually call since he was in bounds, you know? I think if there's 10 seconds on the clock, I think it's one of those start the whistle or start the clock on my whistle. But with it being one second left, I don't think we've ever seen that in college football where a review happens and it comes back. He's like, oh, yeah, you're actually inbounds with one second left. But it was a first down, so technically the clock's supposed to stop. I don't think we've ever seen that, honestly. And the officials are trying to make a call on how they're supposed to play it. Truthfully, it should have been, I think, clock starts on the whistle. But, you know, what, what what can you do? Yeah, so the rule is after after a first down, the clock stops while the chains are set. When the chains are set and the referee blows the whistle, the clock runs. Um, ESPN, they kind of – they agreed too when looking back at, at the replay. You could see Mason Taylor's knee was down in bounce, so the ESPN rules expert believed that the clock would start on the snap. What the ref on the field said verbatim, after reviewing the play, the runner was down in bounce for a first down. He said, by rule, the clock will stop. LSU will have time for one play. That yeah, makes and it, it's no interesting sense. that he said it's interesting that he said they will have time for one play. But not by a, rule. Yeah, that I've, I've never rule? heard of that. Yeah. And so, someone's commenting, but coach called a timeout. He only not called a timeout. After. Yeah, he didn't he didn't call timeout until after they had already said they will have time to run one play. And since Florida State challenged the play and it was successful, they got their timeout. So that was yeah. not a timeout scenario. Yeah. So it it's really interesting. I, again, I don't think and I don't think we've ever seen this scenario. I really don't think we have. And I think it could have been called better, but of course we're a little bit biased. But but at the same time, you know, if it yeah. does go that way and and they say the game's over or, or LSU's not able to get the snap off, people would be fear LSU side particular would be furious about the game and at least you know we it got to play out and Florida State won it fair and square I guess it's also one of those like if they'd actually caught up inbounds originally they don't have any timeouts can they really get up there in one second there's no chance there's no No. chance After a long, yeah, long drive there, guys getting worn out, offensive lineman, you're talking 315-pound guys getting down there and getting set. Something ain't working. Something ain't working, but what what an extra amount of time. It To me, it felt like 20 minutes, man. I was sitting there. I was like, golly, man, because we, we saw Norvell in that offense. They are running out that time, so you got to see ABC make sure they got all their commercials in. So uh, hopefully they got all their money worth it. And it seemed like the ratings did pretty good, the number two game – of the weekend right behind Notre Dame and Ohio State. I think it is 6.9 million. I don't know. And I think I think it's the third highest Sunday college football game ever for a kickoff weekend. Yep. I think I saw that. Yep. It was. Blockbuster boys yeah. are back. <sighs> Logo hits diff. Logo hits different. Um, but yeah, let, let's get out of the LSU game. We also did an instant reaction from inside of the stadium that night. So if you guys want to go check out that, that's just Which a 20-minute instant Which is low-key one of my reaction. favorite podcasts we've ever done. 
And we got to be out the, there on the field. Like seven minutes. Yeah. We got to be out there on the field there. And, you know, we got VZ going over to the end zone where Ontario Wilson brought in that one-handed grab. Was, and you're on the flea flicker side. I thought it was yep. cool that we were able to do that, honestly. The Wi-Fi worked, everything. Shout out to the Caesars Dome, which I got to say, too, from watching Saints games and everything, I wasn't expecting a whole lot from this stadium. But inside of it, that place is effing massive i mean that is a huge day and you're on and it's a giant i think it's because that field is gigantic not just only in your, in your painted sides but outside of it on the sidelines it is just huge man that, that is an impressive stadium but is uh, we, we got there super early i think we were there you know three and a half hours, hours before kickoff yeah. and the first thing we did was walk on the field just to get a sense of everything and it's that's a breathtaking place just looking around and it, it, I don't know a good way to describe it, how the seats are layered. It's just, it looks so flat, but it goes so high. I don't know a good way to describe it. I really don't. It, it really feels like there would be 100,000 people in there, but, some, you know, 68,000. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. a really, really impressive venue. And shout out to both fan bases. Both showed up loud as ever. Uh, I know the people watching on TV said that the war chant was blasting. So I guess ABC did a good job of putting some mics near the marching chiefs, but I don't think they really needed it too much. They were loud on their own. So uh, a great showing from Florida state's fan base, LSU's and uh, the marching chiefs did what they always do and travel well and put on a phenomenal performance. Shout out to them and big eight over there. Shout out to my dad. Um, let, let's get out of this and let's move over to just some thoughts. We're not going to dive into Louisville as we'll go through the game preview next week, but overall thoughts, you know, Louisville gets uh, stomped by Syracuse, which I don't think a lot of people were expecting that a lot of, a lot of high expectations from Lake Cunningham coming into this season. Didn't seem like a good day overall for them on offense. Uh Let's see how this team responds, guys. I mean, like we just said, that was a primetime matchup. You get the win against LSU, booyah. But, you know, now they got to prepare for for Louisville next Friday night. You know, I don't know if Florida State's ever going to play on a regular Saturday with some other teams, but they're going to play on Friday night up there in Louisville. They'll get their first true test of a road game at a different at – at another university. I think we're going to find out how mature this team really is. Yeah, I mean, like uh, like Norvell said today after practice, you know, it's it's harder to respond from the positives than the negatives. You know, it's just kind of human emotion. So now for the first time in his tenure at Florida State, Seminoles have gotten off to a good start. You know, limped off to 1-3 in 2020, 0-4 last year. Now you're 2-0 and and you legitimately control your own destiny for the first time that – Norvell has gotten here. And I think that's one reason why he and some of the other coaches were pushing those guys so hard out there today because they haven't been in this moment. And the guys that have, it was three years ago. So this is a huge moment for Florida State. Um, they don't want to go into Louisville and collapse again like they did um, in 2020. And it seems like Louisville, you know, had very high expectations coming into the season, but. Lose 31-7 to to Syracuse. Malik Cunningham didn't have a very good game through two interceptions. The offensive line was pretty porous, which – He had two fumbles as well. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, their offensive line wasn't very good, so Florida State's defensive line has to be licking their chops. They, they did have a good day um, during practice on Wednesday. So it's just important now to respond over, over the next week 
for FSU as they get ready for that big road game. And to their credit, you know, they're starting those early preparations. We're already hearing the crowd noise back. It's going to be a, a big environment up there um, in Louisville. And it should be an exciting game for Florida State to try and get off to a 3-0 start. And Louisville has to play UCF this weekend, which is no slouch opponent. Um, we're we're going to see how that Louisville team responds because they got absolutely slapped by Syracuse, which <laughs> it's Syracuse. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I said two weeks ago I, I'd – would it be surprised if Babers got fired four weeks into the season and their first game they beat Louisville 31? Saving it. He's saving um, his job, baby. But but the one thing with Louisville, Malik Cunningham's such a dynamic running threat, and he's given it to Florida State a couple times. And we saw this past weekend with LSU, Jaden Daniels kept LSU in the game with his legs. For, that's something Florida State's going to have to work on this next week and a half. If you if you can make Malik Cunningham beat you through the air, you have to do it. You, you can't let it be like Jaden Daniels where he's – leading the team in rushing. What did Daniels have with 114 rushing yards? You know, that's something that's got to clean, get cleaned up, whether it's putting Jamie Robinson on him in its by, whether it's you know Deloach, Bethune, whoever. Someone's got to keep an eye on him the entire game. I think that's the benefit of having a bye week now, and then you get some more preparation for Louisville next week because we saw what Jaden Daniels did with his legs against Florida State. He made some dynamic plays on the ground and it was just because Florida State's defenders made a couple of mistakes. I mean, the very first play um, Jaden Daniels scrambles out for, I think 25 yards. And it was just because verse got caught inside instead of outside with the contain. And we talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, the linebackers got caught a couple times looking. Um, I think they, they dropped McClendon into coverage on the last drive of the game. And, and then he got caught, as well, which I mean, credit to Jaden Daniels because he did make a couple of shifty moves and, you know, he was, he was a dynamic runner. Um, Malik Cunningham is definitely on a similar level with the way that he can get it done on the ground and Florida State's going to need to be ready for it. Yeah, and it's also one of those things where if Louisville loses to UCF this week, you're going to be possibly be facing a desperate team at home on a Friday night at a place where we've had some weird things happen. So it's going to be interesting to see how Louisville responds this weekend. You know, last thing you want is a team that's got nothing to lose when you go up there. Yeah, but we'll be keeping a close eye on that game this upcoming weekend as Florida State has a bye week. Louisville will travel down to Orlando. This game will be played on Friday night at 730. So I know a lot of Florida State fans, including us, will be tuned to the TV to see how that game ends up going because Louisville has got to respond after a really poor showing and Malik Cunningham there, you know, got to respond. So we'll see what the Cardinals look like. True. I mean, going into an 0-2 start to the season. And you also think now Jordan Travis going back to his old stomping grounds. We always forget that that's where he came from going back to his old stomping grounds next Saturday or next Friday night in Louisville. So, Maybe some revenge game there for Jay Trav, a guy that has improved immensely. Uh, so that's a good storyline to cover uh, going into next week. One last thing I wanted to bring up before we hop off of here tonight, recruiting, because that was the immediate focus for Coach Norvell after practice, I know, from a few recruits. Doing interviews saying that there was a lot of contact uh, and there was some contact from the coaches um, afterwards. What was the kind of thoughts that you got Dustin, I know that you were texting around and getting some info from some of them. You had five-star Hakeem Williams, obviously, in attendance. You also had 2024 running back Cam Davis there, too, along with some other uh, recruits across the country. Overall, 
feeling from what you heard from some of these recruits? Because there's some big time commitment dates coming up on this month. It's buzzing on the recruiting trail and Florida State, they wasted no time getting back to work after the win over LSU. I mean, shortly after it went final, the recruiting staff was already making calls to recruits across the country and the assistant coaches have gotten in on it as well. And, you know, especially the commitments, um, they're very excited to see Florida State get this win. Um, Defensive end Lamont Green Jr., the legacy commits, an absolutely amazing defense, played great. Verse was amazing. Jordan Travis looked like a way better quarterback than last year. The offensive line was solid. My heart kind of dropped towards the end. Overall, great game for us Knowles, and I think we would agree. I think every FSU fan's heart started to drop in those final seconds. Um, and, yeah, just continuing on, like you said, Cam Davis said that was a very great game. I'm very excited about this season. The team played through some adversity with a lot of the calls made and, and competed at a high level. Camden Fryer, another legacy commit for Florida State. Man, I love it. It was an awesome game. The guys fought till the end. So impressed with Florida State right now. And then you've got high-profile offensive line target, DJ Chester, who will be on an unofficial visit to Florida State later this month when the Seminoles take on Boston College. So that's a great win for them and a great way to finish. And it seems like Florida State, they are surging with Chester right now. And you go over to Hakeem Williams, I was told um, by some close to his camp, they were very impressed uh, by Florida State's win in New Orleans. And you got a commitment, a decision coming up here for Hakeem in the next couple of weeks. He's going to visit Pittsburgh and Texas A&M prior to making that decision. But you know, right now, from my point of view, Florida State is in the driver's seat to land this commitment from Hakeem Williams, which would absolutely be huge. He's the top offensive target remaining for FSU in the class of 2023. And this is a guy, a five-star prospect, one of the top players in the country, one of the top receivers in the entire class. You bring him in, I mean, it just generates some momentum for that Tribe 23 class. And you might have some guys who weren't necessarily considering Florida State before that start looking over at the Knowles if they bring someone like that in, kind of like a Travis Hunter like last year. I keep my can't say that name. Well, <laughs> as long as it works out in the end. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing, at least with Hakeem Williams recruitment. No matter where he commits in a, in a few weeks, I don't think that recruitment's fully over yet because he does still intend on making visits, but that could change after his commitment. We'll see, but that seems to be the game plan from his camp. That's a really, really impressive player. And from what I saw in that LSU game and knowing Hakeem was there and Norvell calling some shots and explosive plays and going for the dagger a few times, that intrigues me if I'm a guy that I know that I can I can play well at that wide receiver position. So uh, a nice showing for Florida State, at least offensively, to show, hey, you know, like you said, D-Lude, J-Trav improving, getting there. Depends on if we see him next year in Garnet Gold or not. They're going to continue to try to get that offensive offensive weapons around whoever that is going to be at the quarterback mm-hmm. helm. So, and that's going to be a big question mark too. And, and, you know, we'll see how transparent Jordan Travis will be and what his plan will be for 2023. But you got to like though, what you have and that there's still eligibility for J Trav to come back. If, if there does seem to be a plan there. So. And it's not just Hakeem, you know, other skill players around the country and other high profile targets, they wanted to see this Florida State offense become more dynamic as far as putting the ball 
in the air and, and seeing what this um, revamped wide receiving core and, and the improvements of Jordan Travis could really be on the football field. So for Florida State, you know, they only threw it 15 times with Jordan Travis last week, but still he was able to go 11 of 15 and had a decent game. But then to come in, do it prime time against LSU, hit the flea flicker, hit a couple other plays. And I mean, just I think when recruits go and look at that game, they see the way that Jordan Travis has matured and the way that he's operating now on third down and how he's throwing the he's using his legs to find to make plays downfield rather than just tucking off and scrambling. It shows the, the development that this coaching staff has been able to make with Travis um, over the last couple of years that they've been here. And, and I think that's something that people are taking notice of. I'm going to give him a second shout out of the night, but shout out to Tony Tokar's first year quarterbacks coach doing a great job there uh, of getting Jordan Travis developed and continuing to improve him and to stay in that pocket like he's been doing has been a really fun thing to watch no matter if you're an FSU fan or college player I mean our college fan watching him improve has been fun so and he's really and he's I think across the country nationwide a lot of people tweeting it's fun to watch Jordan Travis and sure enough it was on Sunday night when Florida State took down LSU 24 to 23 that's going to wrap up tonight's show a little bit shorter than usual we'll be back next Wednesday to preview Florida State versus Louisville. That game is going to be on Friday night, so we're going to make sure we get you guys all the coverage you need for that. So we'll have a preview, and then we'll most likely have an instant reaction after that matchup where Florida State will go up to uh, Louisville and make the travel there on its first true, true away road game against uh, against a team that might be 0-2 when the Knolls rolling in town, 0-2 versus 2-0. So, uh, as always, you can listen to podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Real quick, quick before we hop off here, because I see people talking about in the comments, but I know there was a report earlier today about 2023 linebacker setting a commitment date for September 20th, and I traded a couple messages uh, with Blake earlier this afternoon once that report came out. And he told me nothing planned out for it yet. So it's not official yet, but I'm trying to plan it out. So there is a possibility that Nicholson makes a commitment later this month, but it's not a firm date just yet that that will be on September 20th. So we'll continue to monitor that. And I also saw a lot of comments about the jacket. I appreciate it. I really do. Yeah, BZ coming in with the swag, man. When Florida State goes 2-0, he starts bringing out the fire, huh? I mean, I wear jackets to work all the time. I've got like four or five vintage jackets in the closet that I'm trying to expand if I can find them for good prices. But broke this one out today, got some comments on it. People have been commenting on it in the chat. I appreciate it. I am glad, though, because I do need to put in here our record on this show for the season so far. Logan Robinson. 2-0, 2-0, Dustin Lewis 1-1, one and, one, and Austin VZ 1-1, but, 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 I know y'all are going to be like, oh my God, who cares, whatever, <laughs> VZ did break his 0-9 streak yeah, but, of attending let's, let's games. What's more important is I broke the streak, all right, damn it, it's more important. <laughs> Oop, I'm on the clock on my draft right now, and that's an easy pick, Najee Harris, sign me up, oh, baby, God. MVP of the season, no anyways, cares. let's talk about my curse being broken, yeah, sorry, you know, I talked about, talked about it on the NCAA reaction. I hadn't seen us win a game as a media member in three years. And we're, we, we made it. We're here. 
Everybody one, in the chat is happy for you. Everybody so in the happy. chat is happy. So happy. we were we were very because when I got to that stadium, I almost got close to just locking the door and not letting Austin in just to help everyone here. I mean, someone has to do it. Take one for the team for us, Austin. Keep you in the parking garage, but we let you in. We we, we felt good, and so uh, it was definitely a fun trip for all of us to get over there and New Orleans and have a there, good time. And we got to meet. And, and shout out to, I want to say real quick, shout out to all of y'all that we got to meet out there. I mean, there yeah. was numerous people. I feel bad, though, if you met me on Saturday night. I probably don't remember what you look like, what your name is, Jeez. or I, I don't even remember what I was doing or where I was look, walking. Lucky for, you, lucky for you, I remember everybody because I was sober taking care of Logan, <laughs> just like the spring game. So, yep. appreciate it. Yeah. We made it back nice and safe, thanks to Austin holding my hand, bringing me back from the casino after nine hours of drinking. At but 3 a.m. Yeah, that was tough. I don't think I went to bed until 4.30, and I yeah, slept I four I hours I didn't fall asleep me. until 4, and then I had to be up four hours later for a work meeting, so that was fun. Ugh, no thanks. Yeah. No thanks at all. But, yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Miss Carol. Y'all have a great rest of y'all's week. Enjoy the college football weekend. Also, NFL starting tomorrow night. Go Steelers. And we will be back next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Preview in Forest State at Louisville. Thanks, everybody. I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.